Hey everyone, some listeners may find potentially sensitive content in this episode. Please check the timestamps before listening. Yeah, how you been? Oh my god, it's just so much has gone on. I can't believe we've been working for three years. I'm hoping before the episode ends, I'm like, well, Irish doesn't want to be recorded, but he wants to say hi to you guys and he's sleeping at the moment. So I'll wake him off in a bit to like come say hi properly, but fair enough. Yeah, three years is mad, to be fair. I know, it's crazy. And but like, then we saw each other... We went I for think pizza. a year ago. Was that yeah, a year ago? That was like that was before that was lockdown. Before lockdown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I miss uni. I tell Irish that all the time. I'm like, I wish I was back in uni. Uh, I go through phases where sometimes I miss uni. Sometimes I'm like, no, I miss uni. Like it's pretty much like just chilled. And then in the exam period or like the coursework period, you're like, okay, now I need to crack on. But then everything else is chilled. Yeah, it's that exam period that I'm just like, I have nightmares about <laughs> that exam period. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Ain't good. What well, was a cut off time? You need to like kind of like go. eleven, eleven thirty. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably right. be done before then. Wait till I finish by M. Hancho. Sure. What's this? Oh shit! That's a okay. bang off. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish, and I'm your other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by our old uni pal. Carmen, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Carmen. I'm a software engineer. And yeah, I met Hamish and Aaron back over university. We did our fourth year group dissertation together, myself and Aaron, and we also spent the year with Hamish. I didn't want to exclude <laughs> you. This is really about me and Aaron reuniting, you know. <laughs> yeah, you were one of the original comms I don't, right? Yeah, I met Jitten very early on. It was like in one of the introductory lectures. He was there and he was talking to somebody else. I think it was Channey. And he was like, yeah, I live in, what's it, Heron Bank. And I literally turned around and I was like, me too. I haven't met anybody who lives in Heron Bank. And then we swapped numbers. And yeah, I met Cameron, Hassan, and a lot of you guys very early on. Yeah, I'm trying to think, trying to go through all of the comps I've done we've had. So we've had Yash. Ingram. Alex Ingram. Prashant. We haven't had Prashant. He's, he's really? been nominated. Yeah, he's refusing yeah, to come on, so I'm hoping he's been he nominated. Can... Oh, so. okay. Shit, am I just missing people? Or we've not, we've just not had them? <laughs> Has Jitten done it? Jitten hasn't done it. He's been nominated, though. To be okay. fair, they've all, Alex Ingram just nominated all of them. He was just like, yeah, all of them. <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but you're one of the first. Yeah, how's life been since since uni? Yeah, I mean, it's been three very long years of working. I definitely, definitely miss uni and going out. But at the same time, I have enjoyed being paid to like just buy my own things and go out and do things and whatever I want to do. But I miss the freedom of of uni. Like work, the hours are just so long and the Mondays to Fridays is is killing me. It really is. (laughs) But don't you think like at uni and like school, it's like a lesser extent, you have your school kind of period like i know 9 a.m to 3 whatever three o'clock or whatever it is but then you also have kind of like homework so it is like at least work you don't well i feel i don't really have homework i get that like i i thought that same way when i first started working i was like you know like with uni it never ends you always have something that you can do you can always do more revision but with work I've definitely found it difficult over lockdown, especially to shut off, to be like, look, like it's 6pm, I need to log off or not do any more. I have really, really struggled with that. It's Yeah, I mean, when you're like working in the same bedroom as you sleep in, your bed's like right there. It's so difficult to shut off. 
I'm sure that's the case for like everyone else as well over lockdown. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah, going back to uni a bit, like as Hamish mentioned, we all, we all did computer science and as Carmen mentioned, computer science, how did you kind of get into that? So over like secondary school, I had always really been like a bit of a nice tea nerd. I had like a very mini crush on my like iced tea teacher. So like just to clarify, <laughs> we went to an all girls school okay, and yeah, yeah. it was like the one Asian guy in the entire school and he was my iced tea teacher and I had just yeah. the biggest crush on him. And yeah, I was literally like turning up to all the clubs and everything. Then it got to like the end of year 11 when you're deciding your own. <laughs> well, and Hamish is definitely going like you turn up to neon and smack. <laughs> oh, like no, no, you meant type. school clubs. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> So then like at the end of year 11, when you're picking your A-levels and I don't think like computer science was like a massively known thing then, like it definitely wasn't compulsory Mm. for us to do it over year seven to 11. So, um, yeah, I basically spoke to him about doing ICT and like media studies and all of that, like techie stuff. And he was like, do you know what? He was like, you need to have a good read about computer science because I think it would be good for you. And by chance that sixth form that I was going to was offering that. So, uh, I started there. And it just worked out. What's the teacher's name? Oh, can you say? Ooh, let's, let's keep that quiet. <laughs> Shout out to whatever whatever his name is. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's quite cool because like computer science, like we've got in the notes here, like being a girl in computer science, and we can like get more into that when we get into the uni bit. But like actually, kind of choosing it as a career path, that's something like notoriously kind of when I remember when I was applying, there was a lot of like trying and get women in tech involved a lot more. And I still think now we've we've had a few guests that have. Are kind of advocates for that how did you find that did you i guess going to an all-girls school was it kind of promoted a lot kind of it the side of things or yeah i mean so it was like a performing arts school but it specialized massively in maths and it so it, it was all about empowering girls so it's not like over year seven to eleven like it's not like i felt like you know it was out of reach or like yeah yeah i didn't really sit to think once that it was like a male-dominated field at all not until sixth form, at least. Sixth form was mixed. So then obviously, obviously like I was the only girl there in, in my sixth form class with like maybe eight to 10 other guys. And that was when I was like, oh, wow, like the difference is just massive. Yeah. Oh, your sixth form was mixed. Yeah, sixth form was mixed, but it was all girls for the lower school part. Yeah, I had the same thing, but the opposite way around, whereas all boys and then sixth form was mixed. And then in my like compute, I don't think they called it computer science. I think they called it computing. Yeah. I'm not really sure why. Is that why. the same thing? Yeah. I like, I like to call it computer science because it just adds a bit okay. more like source. But yeah, I remember that. I think it was only maybe a class of like 15 of us and there was two girls in the computing class. I think one or two in a way. I had a massive crush on a girl or the one girl who did it. <laughs> that extra help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> if she needed yeah. help, I'd help her then. <laughs> I remember in my sixth form as well, there's only one girl in our class and I'd be the only one that spoke to her in the bloody room as well. Yeah, because basically what Aww. it was, yeah, we had two, in the main room that we were in in our sixth form building, there's two rows of computers, yeah, alongside the walls. And basically she would sit on the other side and I'd say obviously my friends, yeah, I'm like, fuck, say, I'm going to have to go talk to her. So I'd have to walk across the classroom yeah, to talk to her. Yeah. And because I'd, uh, she can only talk to her teacher and no one else because no one else spoke to her. I'm like, fuck my life. Yeah. So I'd have to do this. Yeah. And then I remember every time I came back over, Someone, someone's giving me shit for this. I'm like, bro, they're like, bro, are you trying to help her get an A or something? I'm like, bro, shut up, man. I need to talk to at least someone. Like, imagine you were on that side of the room. But yeah, there were no ulterior motives before Aaron starts going off. I can see Aaron's face here. He has this, nah, he's nah, ready. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> he's ready. 
But then, okay, so that's like, what do you say? Like one US, like one go in 10 in six form? Yeah. And then yeah. going into computer science at Warwick, you're then like, I, I don't know what the ratio was, but it felt kind of like it was five in a hundred or something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there were a ton of girls who were doing um, discrete maths, which is what maths and computing, right? Mm-hmm. And some girls who are doing maths and business. I think for like straight computer science, there was maybe only five girls and then the rest were boys. Yeah. That definitely wasn't a lot at all. How was that dynamic? Were you quite like intimidated when you first joined or is it kind of like you embraced it? A little bit. I think like I had the mentality when it's like, oh, you know, like when guys group together, all they talk about is football and I don't know. <laughs> but Not in computer science. <laughs> <laughs> and games and whatever nerdy things you guys talk about. But, you know, like when I first joined, it was like, oh, I must make friends with these girls. And I spoke to some of them one-on-one and separately, but we just didn't click enough to hang out continuously. And it was more of a hi-bye friends. But then, um, yeah, I mean, very early on, I met Jit and Jit was super welcoming, introduced me to everybody else. And that's that was great. But yeah, I would definitely say it was a struggle. Like I definitely um, found it hard to like make friends in the first few weeks. Yeah, I think I was one... I think at that stage, like first year of uni, especially like first month or so, or few months, I was probably like, oh shit, there's girls. Oh shit. I can't, I can't speak to like, not as if I don't want to, like, I kind of <laughs> want to speak to the girls, but like, I'm like, oh no, I'm too, too shy kind of thing. I think it's one of those. <laughs> you had a bunch of female flatmates, didn't you, that you, was, you were very close to? Oh yeah, but let's, let's not talk about that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I think in, in your kind of corridor or whatever, or house or flatmates, like you kind of, yeah forced into it kind of thing so like even if i was shy to speak to him i like had to like eventually yeah i mean i think i also actually struggled a little bit with my flatmates like the thing is in heron bank it wasn't like your block was your block like it was all kind of open right it was just a small door in between like everyone was mixing cross flats and like joining university i hadn't really like ever drank or been clubbing or anything so I definitely felt like a bit out of place and the I don't don't know if you guys remember but the rush to get freshers tickets like everything was sold out and I had bought a ton but none of my flatmates had like been able to buy any so they preferred just drinking in the kitchen Uh, yeah so I think I like struggled as well to get along with my flatmates so well there were like a couple who I got along with great but as a whole like I wasn't that great with all the social events that went on over freshers so I think like that as well combined with trying to make friends over computer science was uh, a little bit hard you lived on the flat above joe bellot's flat in Bank, right i think so i think so yeah shout shout joe yeah what did you think of the banging on your floor there, there. oh <laughs> my god so i mean i was quite far from the kitchen but i didn't hear anything but my flatmate who will not be named who lived directly opposite me he had this girlfriend from america and she was like 40 or something. And 40? Yeah. And we're like, what, 20, 21, whenever we first joined uni. And 18. she's like massively old, but she's very like kinky. Like, right. Yeah. And she, you know, it was all talk and stuff. Like, he was showing us pictures of like her and them together. And then she actually comes to visit. And I kid you not, I did not sleep that entire week. Like, they are loud. <laughs> I. Uh, that was like, yeah, the worst moment. I'm, just, I'm sure year, you, you must have exaggerated like 40 a little bit. No, like, she is. She fully is. I just imagine myself as like a 40 year old going to like a 
accommodation. Was your flatmate named Z? No, no. Okay, just making sure. Are you calling Noreen 40 years old? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> the, um, yeah, I'm just trying to imagine like as a 40 year old going to like a student accommodation. Oh, but she was like, like from America. This must have been like quite exotic <laughs> for her. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah, when maybe. I asked that question, I wasn't expecting that to be the answer. I thought it was <laughs> going to be something about the, them banging and your, your flatmates hated like <laughs> Joel's flatmates or something. I no, I don't remember hearing anything about that. I mean, because everything was so open, it was definitely like super noisy. Everyone like mixed across flats and stuff like that. But I don't remember hearing any like banging on the doors or whatever happened with Joe's flat. Yeah. Do you feel you got treated differently, like in computer science, for like being a girl? I don't know. I think it's like a bit of both. Like a lot of people just kept to themselves and kept within their groups. It's not like I don't feel like I got special attention. But then at the same time, that's how, for instance, me and Irish met. Otherwise, I mean, yeah. Yeah. He messaged and said hi. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't feel like I generally got any special treatment at all. I think I've, I've claimed on a previous podcast episode, I think it might have been on Alex Ingram's. Mm-hmm. I think I claimed that I was there when you and Irish like, first like linked up. So Irish didn't know too many people in computer science either. And I had been begging Jitten for ages to add him to our Comsky chat. Did Irish get in before Hamish? Probably, right? No, Probably, no, yeah. no. Hamish, Hamish, Wait, Hamish first. Wait, Hamish first. I was it Irish. Irish. Yeah, you are. I got in like uh, term three. You know that, right? Yeah, no. I started introducing Irish to like Jitten and Prashant during time three. And it was like the end of exams. Oh, okay. After our Comsky meetup at yours, Aaron, that Irish got added. Irish was there though. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. He was invited, but Jitten was like, nope, I need to vet him and make sure that everyone's happy with him joining. Him. So he waited until after because I guess a lot of people didn't know him. So he was probably... See, Hamish, he had the same treatment. I, I was yeah, just like, no, okay, he but had anyone quite, can be friends. He had a very, very hard treatment, all right? Wait, Definitely who? Irish or me? Wait, it was... Irish. Irish, Irish, Irish what happened with you? No, yeah, I, I would saying, say like, so. Because I remember like, I was right next to Aaron once at DCS when he was saying to, just, to Jitten just to add me in, yeah. And Jitten was like dodging the question, yeah. And I was just sat there like, what do I like still? I'm like, what do I do? It's so so it's so awkward for me. I was just like, what is this? Yeah, he was very protective. Jitten was very protective of that chat, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, because I, I was thinking it was, do you know CS133? So like the uh, lecture we had with Mike Joy and then the English yeah. kind of, you know, the yeah. things talking about the English department. And I remember yeah. me, you and Irish were in that same class yeah we were and that was a bit of a weird class wasn't it because there was like eight of us yeah it was very very uh close-knit class yeah that's where i met him and that's where i think like a f- halfway through the term he basically messaged me and he was like oh i'm i missed the last session can you let me know what i've missed and if there's any like homework and i literally like sent him all my notes and sent him the work and everything and it wasn't what he was looking for to be honest but i got a lunch out of that so do you know what i'm gonna call out alistair crook from that lecture yeah from that like kind of module do you remember alistair crook i think that's I think his I name you talk about we had to do like presentations in that yeah in that like little module thing yeah and then i thought i forgot what the presentation was on and then like it was kind of left to the rest of the group to like ask questions and i think me you and irish and maybe a couple others who we were kind of like is there any questions you kind of want us to ask so like it's easy alistair goes and asks me the fucking toughest question and i was just there like oh, i don't know i don't know the answer to that i was just like why yeah i remember that moment i can't remember what it was about but yeah we were definitely like you know like 
you had to ask questions to get the full credit of the module, I think. And then you had to answer questions as well. So we were all like swapping questions between us, me, Irish, Aaron, and a few other people. And yeah, I just remember your face, Aaron, you were like gobsmacked when, when he came out. Yeah, I was gobsmacked. <laughs> I was just like, why? why? Just why? Is there any need? <laughs> why you got to take a brother down like that? You know? Is it op now, Aaron? Permanent op? Yeah. <laughs> Explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So then you and Irish started uh, dating. How was kind of that, being in a relationship with someone? at uni and also like someone in the same like course it was great because you have we did the same modules and you have the same deadlines and the same same everything right so all the all-nighters you always have somebody there with you and you can always collab with somebody else to like figure it out and you know the stuff he was talking about I obviously understood and the stuff I was talking about he understood so I definitely did enjoy that part of like sharing everything we both had our own spaces over university. We both had a room each that we were renting separately. But um, so we had like our own space if we wanted to go back to it. But it just made sense given that we were doing the same modules, same coursework. It was nice to share that with somebody else. Yeah. Didn't you guys get done for plagiarism? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's actually a really, really dumb story because we worked on the coursework together and it was so late at night and we both just printed the same copy and handed it in. Like, Neither one of us <laughs> thought to change it for whatever reason that was going through our minds. Neither one of us thought to change it. And then we get like an email and it's basically like, you're ungraded for this module at the moment because of plagiarism. It matched somebody else's coursework. And it was like, can you come in for a conversation? And we were there with, and I can't remember the lecturer's name. So like the lecturer was there. I think it was Martin. It was like algorithms. <sighs> Oh, and Martin was absolutely great. He was so chilled. And then there was somebody like Ab here or somebody like somebody more senior, like overlooking it. And we were sitting there in like the meeting, me, Irish and Martin and Ab here. And they were like, okay, explain yourselves. And we're like, look, like we worked on it together. Like it was an honest mistake, right? Like, I don't know why neither of us decided to change it. And he was like, okay, you know, you shouldn't work on this together. Like it's an independent, independent coursework this, this, and this. And he just went on about it. And then Abhir was like prompting him. He was like, do you want to give them any kind of penalty? Like, shall we ungrade them for it? And Martin was like, no, no, no. And Abhir was like, are you sure? And I'm like, oh, shut up, Abhir. Like, was Abhir the one that just like, I swear he always had some negative energy towards all of us here. Like, <laughs> yeah. I swear, is this the graphics guy, yeah? Yeah, yeah, graphics, graphics, I think so. Oh, this, this guy was our pagan. I know Aaron had some serious beef with him at one point. Beef? Yeah, I remember you didn't like him for some reason. He... A beer. I don't know if I had beef with the beer. I think I just found him very uh, boring. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I had beef with him. I can't remember. We dropped out of graphics. We found that a bit hard. So did you not find it like overwhelming at any point? Kind of. Yeah, definitely. Because you're always together, same course. Yeah, at some times. And like, for instance, there was like one time when we had been, it was, I think it was the graphics course where we were building like a Pac-Man game or something like that. And it was literally due the next day. And Irish goes home with his flatmates and he starts watching the final episode of Sherlock. And I'm like, what? I completely disagreed with that. Like, you know, we had, we've had our spats like here and there. But it was definitely nice to share that with somebody. Like, it meant that I didn't have to be in the labs working with everybody else until like super late because we would just work in our rooms. And like, I guess versus that being us doing two separate courses we would be staying up at different times going to different lectures i don't know i, I really enjoyed it. it was nice having company yeah i think well that's, it's been like six years or something hasn't it now then 
Yeah, it's actually our fifth year anniversary in a couple of weeks. So we've booked a cute little Airbnb getaway and we'll head away with our little puppy. So it's been a while. It's been a while. And I just clarify that if you're doing an all nighter and someone happens to be next to you, doesn't mean they're a couple, just to clarify for the rest of us. Who were you doing all nighters with, hey, Mitch? No, no, no. I was just saying it because you're like Tom Baxendale. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I don't want this to stop. <laughs> I like, missed it up here. Shout out, Tom. What's the longest time you didn't see each other? Because obviously we, you did the same course and live with each other, essentially. Yeah. But all I remember is that if, if I saw you, it's likely that Irish was like somewhere around us all. And if I saw Irish, I knew you yeah. were somewhere around us all. Like, yeah, we so were like... How, what was the longest amount of time you didn't see each other in those years? Um, The longest was maybe three months over like the summer holidays when we we're doing our internship awesome. i was in portsmouth and he was in edinburgh so we were literally on two ends i went at the beginning of july for my birthday to spend a week with him there and i, I had to take the plane up and everything because it was so far and then we didn't see each other for like three months like two three months and then we booked a holiday to go to Mallorca together and that was a uh, longest time i think how was that kind of like Going from seeing each other every day to then not seeing each other for like three months. Difficult. And then, was that like, yeah. It really is because then we both have work, right? So it's not like we're texting all the time on our phones either. And then, you know, it was, we both had our different social lives and stuff like that. It was, it was very different. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed returning back to uni that year, I'll say. But I mean, even over lockdown, I haven't seen him like loads at all because it's been very in and out. And then I've obviously moved home with my parents. So I think like even this year, the first time I saw him this year was like March or something ridiculous. So we've gone like longer now. So yeah. No, that's cool. Any, before we like tie up like the uni stuff, any kind of standout memories? I mean, there are so many. I definitely enjoyed our very first Comsky drinks because that was like the first time I had ever gotten drunk. And that was... Where are we talking about the exam party? Yeah, the exam party that you threw. I really enjoyed that. Like that was the first time I had properly gotten drunk. And I just remember the walk back to my accommodation was, I mean, it was an absolute blur. <laughs> but I just remember at one point just being at Cameron's and he had just a gigantic Rubik's Cube that I was just like playing with and like security came up and they're like okay well she can't go back to her and back she'll stay here tonight and then being rejected by a few taxis for literally just going across campus I was going to mention like we didn't walk across campus we did get like a taxi halfway across yeah. but we didn't walk across campus that night so I don't no. know what you remember really? I don't remember I mean I, I don't thought we got like fully. a partial taxi and then we walked no they the wouldn't take the us they wouldn't take us that I mean that was one of like you know the memories that we retell to people and stuff like that and how bad I was that night what else was there you and me both (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed fourth year fourth year was great I really enjoyed working on the fourth year group project and just preparing for like the dissertation and doing the the presentation all of that was quite nice but yeah I can't think of any other like really distinct memories I remember you being someone who like applied for like loads of internships and I did. Jobs and all that. I did. And I didn't feel like no, nobody really tells you to go and apply. Like yeah. They ask you a couple of times in like, you know, the computer science meetings, they're like, oh, who has an internship? But no one tells you to actually prepare for this stuff. And it was when Prashant, Prashant was like really trying to apply because he, you know, he needed his visa. He needed right. something for when he graduated. And when he went on and started applying for everything and he got Barclays, I was like, oh shit, like I need to do something. 
So I would, I literally spent like days and days applying. And I think for internships, I had fully applied for maybe like 40, 50, like any firm that I could recognize. But then it kind of like, it really, really drains you because then they invite you for like virtual interviews, phone interviews, and then the aptitude test. And then the traveling, the traveling just kills you for assessment days. Like one week when I was applying for graduate schemes, I think I did maybe four assessment centers in the same week in different places. And the travel killed me. Like, and I don't know what it was. I think it was just like, oh my God, like I must get something just in case I must apply for everywhere just in Mm. case. So yeah, that was a, it was a good few that I applied for. Yeah. I think I was on the lazy side where I was just like, I applied for one. I I remember applying for one realized how long that process was and i was like yeah that that ain't for me (laughs) really i copied and pasted a lot of my answers over because they sort of overlap and i mean i i don't know if you guys heard but there was one time that jitten he was copying and pasting answers over but he completely forgot to change the company name and they called him out for it and they were like by the way we'd like to invite you for a phone interview however you do know you have missed like given a completely different company name and he was like oh yeah oh, right, so he got the he got the, he got the interview that's that's decent yeah he got the phone interview like his, but... his stuff anyway yeah exactly i was gonna say would you give you any advice differently to like anyone else who asks you now like would you say to apply to five places instead of 50 yeah yeah whenever my friend's younger brother asked me or like he spoke because i'm like bro don't, stop applying to hundreds of places with your excel i did that as well scrap that just apply five places and then see what happens because then you can at least focus on those five places yeah for sure i mean don't bother applying for all of them like most of them i end up not doing anything like progressing any further anyway because i was like you know i've got so much else going on there really is no need to apply for so many i think like i would have definitely done my research for what i would have been interested in as well because i'm sure for most of them i would have been like oh like why why am i doing this and you only really need like one lucky one That was the other thing that I learned during the interview process as well. There are so many smart people and from so many smart universities, Mm. but all you really need is that one lucky interviewer and you get along great, you have a good chat and then you get the job. Like it is massively about luck. So I would have just focused my attention on like five, six, seven around then. Like I wouldn't have done so many. It was a waste of energy and time for sure. Yeah. Good stuff. So let's, let's go like post uni a bit more recently, I guess lockdown. Lockdown's been, yeah, the main main thing over the past year. How's that, how's that been for you? I definitely struggled in the first few, you know, this time last year, right? I was, my parents were in Norfolk. They had, we have a takeaway and they were closed for a little while because of how serious COVID was. And for, it was like, we were renting a place and it was me and my sisters. Everyone was working, everyone was busy, but it was just us. And it was a struggle not to be able to like see family for so long because I'm such a homebody. Like I literally go home like every weekend otherwise. So I really struggled not being able to see them for so long. It was like, it was probably, I think until like August that we ended up seeing them. So it was like a good, like almost half a year. My, without like making it too sad, my grandmother passed away from COVID last March, which came as a massive surprise. Like she, she was very, very old. She was 96 with dementia. But she was in an old person's home and they didn't really like allow us to visit. So when you say, sorry, when you say last March, is that 2021 or 2020? 2020. Okay. So like right at the beginning of like. Yeah. yeah. When it was like really severe and like death tolls were like at a massive high. That was when that happened. It all came on a bit too quickly. Like she, 
she was admitted to hospital and then passed away like within like the same night um so we really didn't get a chance to visit her and I think like the hardest thing was the entire process you're literally just not allowed to see her so like the the funerals funeral you're only allowed like I think maximum like 10 people at the time and even having to wait for that was like a long long wait getting her like buried and all of that kind of stuff like and like even just in hospital like we just weren't allowed to see her or anything so that was intense it was like an intense few months and yeah it was definitely like super really really sad because she she had dementia she didn't understand any English and you know we we got the call from the doctors and they're like okay well like she's been admitted and we're like can we speak to her and they're like no like she's just got a tube down her down her throat like she's just not responsive at all um we think this is it so yeah it's been a hard few months and then trying to deal with that trying to clean out her flat at at the old person's home and doing all of that that was a bit much like I knew she was old and I knew the time was coming but I didn't think it'd be because of COVID and so suddenly Mm. that like we didn't get that time to like properly mourn over her but yeah that was definitely hard and then living, you know, like me and my sisters all living in the same house. Everyone's trying to get on with work and do different things. I mean, we had a fair share of arguments here and there. Like, oh, you're not doing enough. You're not cooking <laughs> enough or whatever. Like, yeah, we that was, I want to say difficult, but it was, um, it was fun at the same time because we did lots of things together. But definitely a very, very scary period. How old are your sisters? So I'm second oldest. My eldest sister is 27, 28. I'm 24, 25. I have a younger sister who's 22, 23, and then my youngest sister who's 17. Yeah, so uh, we're all like pretty similar in age, um, so we get along great. But when you're having to face each other every day, Hmm. there are definitely like complaints and stuff like that versus when you only see them in the evening when you come back from work. And then, yeah, it was, I mean, it was really, really scary. The whole thing with COVID, I remember stepping out of the house for the first time to go to like Sainsbury's to buy some groceries and I just remember seeing like everybody like you know with the two meters apart with their masks on and I literally was like oh my god like what is going on like this feels like a zombie apocalypse or something like that like yeah it was intense when when the toilet paper started running out that was definitely like I forgot when that was like in March yeah around March last year it was like people are treating this kind of like a it's apocalypse yeah for sure my sister was taking um, toilet paper from work and bringing that home like she was going into the toilet and she was coming home like rolls and rolls and like where are you getting this from but yeah that was a intense the toilet paper stuff yeah and you bought a puppy over lockdown yeah so actually we already had a dog primarily my elder sister's dog and like can I just say like I used to be so scared of dogs so like I would see a dog any size any breed and I would literally walk on the other side of the road like I was bloody frightened um I, I couldn't do it i swear i always found out about the puppy de-stress days after you lot had gone but you were always at those events i've never been or was it just irish and i just assumed you irish went no okay. yeah you just assumed yeah <laughs> yeah irish went i remember he took photos because it was just i think he had just happened um to see adverts about it and he turned up so that was yeah i i didn't go i i'm i was like so scared and I don't know why. It's not like I had a bad experience with dogs. Like, it's not like I was like bitten or attacked or anything. I was just scared. But then like, I'm scared of like everything, like literally everything. And then my sister back in like 2018 brought home a dog, which was, I mean, it was me and her living. So primarily her dog, but I was looking after her as well. And then, 
yeah, I mean, it was her dog. And then over lockdown, I mean, everyone started buying dogs, right? And I had the chat with Irish and I was like, look, I really want to get a puppy. We already have one dog. So any like any plans we have for ours, like where we are when we're working, the same water supply for him as well. Like it's easier once you have one. And we looked around and we got in just before the prices surged. I think like prices were insane. They went to like three to 4K. And we managed to find a puppy, a male for 2K. So I messaged her. She's like, obviously you can't come and visit because it's COVID, but I can send you loads of photos and videos. So we're like, okay, great. So she's sending us videos and we're like, okay, great. Like he's the last one. We really want him. And we we start haggling and I'm like, will you do 1.7? And she was like, yes. And I will drive him down from Hull to London for you to drop him off. Uh, if you yeah, pay a deposit. That's dedication then. Right. So I'm like, I was say, for everyone else, adopt, don't shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely wish I had like researched more into it. Wait, what's, what's the difference here? So basically when you adopt you, you're getting them from like shelters that need to get, you know, rehome them. Otherwise they get put down. Whereas if you're shopping, like they could be animals that are actually just being used for breeding over and over again and putting other animals like through hell or kind of like a lot worse medical issues that could end up happening as a result. Shopping, you pay, adopting is free. But if you shop, you can get whatever breed you want, technically. Yeah. But then also when you're shopping, how do you shop? Like, is it like a website where they just sell dogs? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a website with like a bit like Gumtree where you just have like listings and you just reach out to them and you just organize it yourself. Yeah. Pets at Home also has one. Like they have one built into their site, but do adopt instead plus. I think like my sister definitely looked into adopting, right? I think it's a little bit more complicated than a lot of people think you are because like yeah. when you're living in, for instance, in a flat, like they have to like really check your conditions and you have to, I think you, it's a quite a long process to go through. But yeah, I mean, I definitely would like to adopt at some point as well. But yeah, I mean, what was I going to say? Our breeder was great. She, I, I fully thought that I was being scammed because I had sent the deposit money over and then <laughs> we were asking like, they're not allowed to leave their mums until they're like eight weeks old. So there was a set date and this breeder just didn't reply to me until like every morning at 5am, she would might send me a photo or video, but then she was gone for the rest of the day. And we were like, okay, like I'm being scammed. Little did we know, she did actually turn up <laughs> with the puppy. We, I mean, we're still in contact with her. Like she's absolutely great. And we're hoping to organize like a reunion with um, our puppy and his mom. Yeah, but I think... Definitely do your research because there are so many things when you're trying to buy over COVID, over lockdown, that you just can't check, that you would have checked in person. And our dog, Bailey, he actually has a few congenital abnormalities, which you could see in his private area. Obviously, we couldn't see him until he came. So definitely, like, you have to do your research, for sure. You get it from a shelter, like if you adopt it just for others. Sometimes you may not be able to get it, obviously, since a very young age in some cases. and any medical issues would be known and they'd obviously refer you to the insurers that would take it because if a dog has or any pet has a known medical issue you can't be insured against that medical issue so you have to keep that in mind because if if it because it can reoccur so if you adopt it you'll end up knowing most of the paperwork and everything that has to be done it is lengthy it's easier to buy one if, if you're willing to pay but then you have to get everything else sorted yourself whenever you want however if you get it from a shelter you'll likely be given advice to go a certain way maybe a bit more complex but it'll make your life a lot easier and you'll kind of know a bit more of what you get because they would have done all these other medical checks for you and so on have you adopted 
No, no, I, I trust me. I've nearly adopted so many times over the past year. Even recently, I was actually going to end up buying one here, but I'm just waiting to basically move house before I do that now. So say, say I wanted to get a puppy now. Yeah. Like tomorrow, whenever, tomorrow, next week, whatever. how would I do it? Where would I go? What would, like, I literally, I have no idea. It's like, do I go to a website? Do I go to a somewhere? Is it? What kind of dog do you want? Do you know what kind of dog you, what you want roughly in your head? Like what kind of? Like a dog? puppy, not like a grown dog, a puppy. Okay. Yeah. But no, like what kind, like, do you know, do you, do you want like a? Yeah, like a breed. German Shepherd type of a loyal one. Just, or just like a, a, a one. cute one, you yeah. know? Nice, so nice most people would one. go the standard golden retriever Labrador thing. You're most likely going to have to end up buying one. Unless... Do you want a big dog, though? Golden retrievers are quite big dogs. Uh, like, how big would it? Would it be bigger than me? Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. no. <laughs> they're, they're, they're medium to large size. Okay. So not that big. Okay. I feel you need a small dog. Like, the breeds that I have are multi-poo. I feel like you need a multi So they would, would they always stay small-ish? Like yeah, they obviously grow. Quite... Yeah, yeah. Multi poo is like quite a small dog. They're, but they're also quite. They are quite cute. So say I wanted this dog. Yeah, this this breed of pup. Multi-poo. How would I? How would I go about it? First of all, you should probably check the adoption sites. You know, just search up saying adopt a multi poo. Okay. Then you should probably go to the buy one if you're not going to be happy with you know what you're seeing there. But obviously. And then so when I'm I adopt con- one, like you say, it's like you said, it was free, but I'd still have to like. You know, there may be a, like a that, little right? fee. Yeah, there'll be a, maybe a little fee initially. And if it has some health issue and it won't let you get certain levels of health insurance for the pet, so yeah. pet insurance, they'll tell you the vendors that would actually do it for this price. And they'll tell you like if they have a specific dietary need, allergies. So basically you, you won't risk doing some serious harm to your dog when you get it because you already know the dog has this allergies. You know they've been vaccinated and all that stuff. So like if you adopt, you're probably doing yourself less risk in terms of because you know what you're getting into. Whereas if you buy, you're, you could end up finding these things out the hardware and you could end up with more, you know, vet expenses than you can imagine. How much does it cost to like, just in general, kind of like living costs, like food? Quite a bit. So like annual insurance for us is about £200 each year. And okay. that will cover us for up to £4,000 per year on any medical condition. So that's, you know, obviously the fee you have to pay every year. On top of that, he has to get vaccinations every year. Um, and vaccinations, I mean, they're yearly plus kennel cough, but it's still like £50 a year for that. Then he needs worming and fleeing, like medicine, and that you need monthly. So every three months we go to collect a pack and that's another £50. So it's adding up. And then on top of that, for Bailey, he eats chicken, so we boil him chicken every day for three meals a day, plus his treats. So that adds up. And then on top of that, it's like we bring him to like puppy socialization and like dog school, and that's like twenty pounds a day. What 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 do they do? Okay, shout out to my dog school because they are literally the best school ever. Bailey went to school and he came back and he made us an Easter card. Like I kid you not. He goes to school, they take loads of pictures, they send him back with a report card. This is what I've done today. This is who I've played with. So this is like literally sending your kid to nursery. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they come back with like biscuits that like they've been given or yeah, cards. Cards is the best thing. I'm going to find you the Do Easter have like card Dog of the made. week or something. Dog of the month. Dog of the yes. month. Yes. Sick. It's been currently yeah, broken in the great. news, actually. As well, like, you should probably send them to dog school because most people aren't training their dogs and stuff. Correct. And it's, like, so recommended. Killing, like, sheep. Yeah, now it's being more... Because of lockdown, it's been more and more recommended just because 
if you don't train them properly like recently there was a lot of like sheep and stuff killed on near the farms and people were taking them for walks and so on so they're trying to like get some regulations in place so that you have to like send your you have to get it trained to a certain level well yeah or you could just send a dog school no that's cool yeah so here is the picture of Bailey with his Easter card. It's a picture of Bailey with some bunny ears and some eggs and stuff like that with a cute backdrop. And they basically printed that onto a card and they wrote inside and they were like, happy Easter to my humans and everything. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Hamish. Like it really is needed because we've spent every day together since we brought him home because I've been at home and he has really, really severe separation anxiety. So if I leave the house, even though there are like my family at home, who he's also been around, he will howl and howl. And it's honestly so bad. Like he just has really bad separation anxiety and he'll like do everything he can to like try to get to me. So the last time I left and I left only for like 10 minutes and he was like trying to climb through the like the stair banisters to get to like our shoe rack where we put the keys and his lead and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's getting better, but we have to like bring him to school to make sure that like he gets time away from home and away from us. Yeah, and they will train him like you know. Imagine the normal dog tricks, like wherever dog trick you can think sit, wherever they'll like, they could end up training it for you so that you wouldn't have to, I guess, stress out on trying to get your dog trained properly. Yeah. So I think dog school, may, even like when I eventually get a dog, I, I would probably send him to dog school just because it's going to make my life easier because we're all working people. So might as well like get a little bit of dog schooling in this so they know some of the tricks that I want to have to basically teach them. Do they have public yeah. schools and private schools for dogs? I think they're all private. Are they all private? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really cute dogs. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you have to get getting a dog is basically very costly in this country. It's not like you could you have to actually give it like proper food, go to the vet and so on, whereas other places you don't have to. I was going to say, Aaron, you know what you should do? Yeah. Yeah. You should adopt a failed service dog. So a service dog is like, you know, when they're trying to be guide dogs or military dogs or whatever, but they're basically, they failed because like, for example, they get too excited or something or they just don't listen to the instruction. They do it as they will. Wait, so there no, story. no kid of mine is going to be a failure, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So basically I read here, yeah, like there was, a, there was this like, there was a proper story that came out about it. So there's this failed service dog. Yeah. He knew all the commands, like, you know, he knew when to do, he knew how to do it, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, he wouldn't do it on command. He'd do it whenever the fuck he wanted to. Oh, yeah. right so he'd just walk around the house and open the fridge randomly. He wouldn't do it when you tell him it, but he'd just go ahead and do it randomly. So they had to baby lock every single thing in the house. Because oh he may just go and open a random door somewhere and then leave it open or go around bring a plate or something. And it would just like do all the things that a service dog would do for a person. But whenever the fuck he felt like it. I don't know if I want that, but... I think it would just be so funny <laughs> you, you having to deal with a failed service dog. So like, say, say I've, I'm living on my own. And I've got a normal like nine to five job, like in the city. So I'm also, there's also commute there. Can I get a dog? Would that be like, like you the can. dog would be at home by itself for like most of the day? Is I that, think, I think it it's really, really breed. sad. Yeah. It, like it's really sad to leave a dog on, on his own or his or her own for like nine to five. Right. Because food, like who's going to feed and, you know, use the toilet. He'll probably go use the toilet outdoors, but. I would definitely say it's possible. So like for us, that was our main concern. Um, between my sister and our boyfriends, we managed to each take a day to work from home before COVID to look after our first dog. But then additionally, you can get things. We use a site called Borrow My Doggy and it's literally people, for instance, like yourself, Aaron or and Hamish, who, who want dogs but aren't ready to commit to one. So they borrow yours. So they might be working from home and they might just want the dog for the day. And we built a lot of relationships with different people in the area who want dogs. And they were pretty much 
like, okay, Tuesday, I'm taking Bella or Bailey. And that is free. For instance, you pay like a £60, I think, membership for the year mm-hmm. to be able to contact people on there. But you, there are sites like that. But then additionally, obviously... Wait, £60? No. I think so. It's £60 oh, to register as like an owner. But then it, I think so. Maybe less. Maybe remember. maybe okay, maybe the borrower because I've gi- I've gifted it a couple of yeah. times. So like I was like I'm pretty sure I didn't pay like more than twelve. Or no, something. no borrowers <laughs> like ten pounds. But to be to yeah. register your pet on there so that other people can borrow it is like much more. It's like around fifty for sure, for definite. When I'm I did it, but yeah, I mean on top of that, you can also like get you know dog school if you're willing to pay for it or. You can have dog walkers who just come in at different points in the day to help you dog sit or bring them on a dog wall or just give them some food and water. We also use a site called Rover, which is kind of like Uber, but for dog sitters, like you just can order one as you want it kind of thing. And we paid this lovely lady £20 and she would just come around every day and she was like an aspiring actress so she had like scripts and stuff to learn so she would just come around and do her work at at our place in our living room and just look after our dog for us there are so many like options yeah but i definitely yeah i wouldn't recommend leaving your dog alone i know it might be a bit different for you guys in your kind of industry but like i know a lot of startups i think mine as well it's very kind of the office is a very pet friendly kind of thing always like that's very lucky i wish mine was but no that's that's cool yeah i must admit you get a lot of attention when you have a dog we went to vista vista village which is a designer outlet in oxford it's dog friendly and when you go you can basically rent for free the like dog push chair for the day you put your small dog in there and you just push it around whilst you go and shop and stuff like that and i remember the first time we went irish had bella who was like a few weeks old then and he was walking around and he just didn't get the chance to shop like everyone wanted to come up and say hi though he like had like so many girls around him just like wanting to stroke bella and follow her on instagram and all this kind of stuff so you definitely get a lot of attention with the with the small dog you're gonna go drop some of these girls that are moving up to Irish. If, uh, <laughs> are you beefing them? Yeah, if you ever need me to look after your dog, let me know and tell me that address. And I'll, I'll head over there. Uh, oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's no, that's that must be like exciting as well. Like getting your own dog as well, getting your own puppy. It's been really good for me. It's definitely added like structure to my life because it's like he's dependent on me. Like I have to feed him at this time, yeah. I have to walk him. I mean, the mum guilt is like real. Like some days, like I try to walk him every lunchtime at least, and then after work as well. But some days, you know, I'm I'm like super busy and I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't go this lunchtime. And I just like, it's, the mum guilt is bad. Or like sometimes, you know, I find it quite difficult to find a dog-friendly restaurant in London unless you're sitting outdoors. Mm. So sometimes I have to leave him with a dog sitter or even just a Tesco and just leave him on his own for like an hour. And the mum guilt is so real. I just feel so bad. Yeah. No, I can, I can definitely like, yeah, imagine that. Yeah. One last kind of reminder, adopt, don't shop if you can. Adopt don't show. Is, have you made that up like that? Like quote, no, no, that's, that's that, a like, legit thing. Like... That's a legit thing. <laughs> yeah. I say that, but like I realistically will end up shopping myself unless the exact stuff I want would also be on a, on the adopt site. But I'm just saying try to adopt first because there's otherwise they're going to get put down. So if you can find a middle ground, then adopt. Oh, so what, what is your puppy's name? And Bailey. Bailey. And he's a multi-poo. multi-poo. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah, and actually on on Hamish's point, my colleague, she is living on her own and working nine to five, right? So she isn't able to commit to a dog 
fully yet, but she's actually registering to be like a foster mum for dogs. So like dogs who need to be rehomed temporarily will stay with her, but she won't have them long term. It'll be like maybe a few months until they find a proper home. And that's, I just think that was such a great idea to do as well. I follow so many of those kind of like pages of cats and dogs here, but most of them are in the US here. So even if I wanted to adopt when they were ready to be adopted, I couldn't because they're in the US. So like that's all my Instagram feed is. If I look through it, all it is is foster kittens and foster puppies and just, you know, infinitely scrolling down whenever I do that. Do you know what's mad as well? We have a, like a dog grooming place like by my road. Yeah. And that was like never shut during lockdown. That was like always open. Yeah, I don't think it was. I think it, like we, those, I, I couldn't have what, a haircut, but my dog could if you wanted to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know that. Yeah, they were classified as essential and they weren't allowed to stay open. That's, that's but, yeah, that's but wild. that's also because like if your dog like grew bigger hair, then it could carry or whatever. It could lead to other issues. Like yeah, is it? if it got tangled up, yeah, knotting up and so on. Like it would be really bad for the pet. Nah, fair enough. Yeah, like if we go back in time, I guess a bit or to like growing up. Uh, you mentioned their kind of parents have a takeaway. Yeah, so I mean, sounds like I'm going to go into my whole life story, but I was like born and raised in London. And when I was about in year five, year six, my parents decided to move to a small town in Norfolk to start up a takeaway. I think primarily because my mum was a waitress and my dad was a chef. And back then in London, it was like, because, because there was us, they would like only one of them would be able to go out and work. And often it would be my dad. But in the kitchen for Chinese restaurants and takeaways in London, you really don't earn that much because with waitressing, you get all the tips from like all the business people and all the customers, especially on events and stuff like that. But my dad doesn't know any English. So him being in the kitchen, he was capped at a certain amount and just wasn't earning as much as they would have liked, which is why we took the move to Norfolk. How old were you at the time? Um, year five, year six. Yeah. So there was me and my sisters. Joey, my youngest sister, was quite young. She wasn't in, even in nursery then. And yeah, we moved. We moved. There. We had been looking for takeaways for ages. And I remember going with my parents to see different places. And, you know, we picked this place because it's the takeaway and it's the house above so that they were able to look after us whilst also like start up yeah. the business in the takeaway and earn as much as they can together. So, I mean, they're still there. Hopefully they will retire soon, but they're still there at the moment. And I mean, that kind of stuff, it just isn't feasible in London because London's so big, it's so hectic. Whereas this is a very small town. It's very easy to like, you know, drive from one side to the other to do deliveries and yeah, a very close-knit community. Spell the town, please. Is it, are you saying North Hall as in the one next to North Hall of Fields? No, Norfolk. Saying- like Norfolk. Nor- Norwich is in Norfolk, right? Yeah, exactly. So... Nobody's ever heard of it. So like, I'm just like, oh, Norfolk. <laughs> or I say like Cambridge, but we're still like an hour away from Cambridge. It's the middle of nowhere. There's like one Tesco, one Sainsbury's and like a very, very small town centre. Yeah. So are you guys like the kind of the like the go-to Chinese takeaway kind of thing? Each neighbourhood there have yeah. their own kind of takeaway. But yeah, in, in our neighbourhood, I would say so. But yeah, I mean, we've been there for what? 14 years now it's been uh, it's been a little while yeah i think i remember like i don't think it was you it might have been jitten or someone like maybe working on like a takeaway menu during uni or something i don't know no that was me was that, that was me it was i was just printing a ton of them yeah. with my printing credit <laughs> and then i went and requested more printing credit and i can't remember who it was our technician no they were like you've printed the same pdf a million times what is this pdf you're printing and i just didn't respond i was like oh <laughs> i probably shouldn't yeah no i that was a bit sneaky of me but 
printing costs for menus yeah, otherwise yeah, yeah, are yeah. expensive. Yeah. And yeah, like sometimes on weekends when we were younger, especially my parents would drive us to like a neighborhood and we'd all split up into like a different street each. And we would just put on our music and like hand out menus like inside people's post boxes. So but yeah, the menus go very quickly. Yeah. And what, what is like the Asian community like in Norfolk? Basically non-existent. Yeah. Like my sis, my younger sister, she went, has, I mean, all she remembers is Norfolk and she grew up there, you know, went to school there and everything. And she really doesn't, I mean, I don't know personally, um, many other Asians, we have another Asian fam, family friend and they're in Norwich, which is still like an hour away, but in Thetford especially, Thetford's very, um, dominated by eastern europeans uh, there aren't many asians at all mm. and growing up i definitely found like there were a lot of teenagers who were like deliberately trying to do different things in the takeaway to initiate a reaction from my parents so that you know they kind of find it funny so like even before covid there was always a bit of racism a bit of asian hate and we were always having to call the police for different reasons and like just to name it like it was it was pretty bad. Like we had like um, an area outside the takeaway, which is like a gar, like kind of like a garage, but it's an open roof. Mm. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a few kids throw a few like glass bottles over, and like luckily nobody was there, so it didn't hit anybody. That's just like one instance. Halloween is the worst night for us. Like that is literally like my parents' worst nightmare. They literally like have PTSD from like from like Halloween. Halloween because fireworks happen. Right fireworks happen so sometimes they like throw things into the takeaway like counter space mm. apples what else a lot of like apples. you know trick-or-treaters yeah we have an apple tree near, near us and they they like to climb it and then they just grab apples and they throw it at each other and they throw it into the takeaway that must be pretty hard as well apples yeah they are are they royal gala apples <laughs> <laughs> i don't know they don't look great um i wouldn't eat them personally but yeah we had to like petition to get that like apple tree removed. Like it was causing us right. so many issues. And I mean, it's just really, really silly because all of that is really just to have my parents come out and shout swear words because they don't know English. So they're coming out and they're saying like a bunch of swear words and they love that. Like they love the chase mm. and it's just silly. But it's crazy because the kids, right? So up until they're 18, they're messing about, they're trying to do different things. Then once they hit 18, I think a lot of them realize like, you know, my actions have proper consequences. They move on and then the new bunch of kids come through. So it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's been really, really difficult with all of them. Like the amount of times I've had somebody open the door and say stuff like ching chung wala and all that like crap, like is intense. It it happens so much. Even just, yeah, like even just that normal verbal abuse or like having them just call up the phone and pretend to make an order for a bit of a reaction, it's ridiculous. Let alone then actual like physical stuff that they then like try and do throughout the year. It's so stupid. Their family probably eat your food. Like yeah, they exactly. And, like love it and yeah, idiots. Yeah, and like they come in for like a portion of chips, and my mom refuses to sell it to them. Like different <laughs> people are just like, a no, portion. You yeah, not, yeah, that's what you do when you're in school. Yeah, but you just go places buy a portion of chips. Yeah, and but not from a Chinese shop. I don't know. Okay. Wait, did you sell chips at your shop? Yeah. So we do actually get chips when we order Chinese takeaway, but it's like with other stuff. Do you know what I mean? You're a sicko, bro. <laughs> the takeaway around here, the Chinese takeaway here, the chips are actually really good. Like, <laughs> My dad does the 
best salt and pepper chips. Whenever I have any guests over, like he ends up cooking a ton of salt and pepper chips and salt and pepper chicken. Like they love it. Everyone loves it. But yeah, I mean, also you're forgetting it's not London. Walking to the nearest fish and chip shop or walking to McDonald's isn't really like mm. as feasible. Like in that neighborhood, all you have is a Lundis, which closes by like what, like six, seven or whatever. And then us. So unless you have a car to travel, it's not as feasible. So yeah, coming in for like a can of a drink or nuggets or chips, like they buy from the takeaway. Because that you're making me like feel like memories of like so I have just around the corner from where I live. I have this fish and chip shop that's owned by this really nice Chinese lady. I don't actually know her name. All that I know is that she's been serving, obviously there since like I was a kid. So as far as I could remember, and she's like one of the nicest ladies. You're like every. I remember that got to a point here. So when I came back from uni what i'd do i'd go and order like usually this kind of chicken wrap it was like a i don't know what it was it was like a one of the chinese specialities like the way it was grilled and put together and everything the sauces and inside it oh my god it was the best chicken wrap as well yeah and, and I, that i would have yeah like it was like this really nice grilled chicken wrap here so every time i came back from uni i'd go there if there wasn't food at home i'd buy obviously some extra for the house i just remember having it, it was amazing and it, she i wouldn't even have to like tell her you know which wraps to have like no chili sauce in which one to have no mayo in <laughs> etc she just she made one with each one all the time. But I haven't gone there in a long time because, you know, after COVID, the hygiene stuff everywhere, I don't like eating at many places. So, but I remember she was like, she's such a nice lady, but I haven't been there. I don't know if she recognized me anymore as well. Yeah, no, my my mom's exactly the same. And like, we get customers coming in and they're like my usual and they don't even know their order themselves. And like, my mom just knows like everybody's yeah, order. Right. She just yeah. recognizes like every face and exactly how they want it. And yeah, it's, it's a struggle when she, she pops out because we're like, we have no clue. Did you and your sisters ever used to work in the shop? Yeah, we we still do. Um, so over like secondary school, it was an evening or a weekend um, because that was like how we earn our pocket money. Um, we would get given money for working. Now that I'm at home, I'm working up until like five, six. But then if I like check the CCTV or see the um, hear the phone ring a lot or, or my mum, she'll just text me and I'll pop downstairs and help out. I can, I'm like... I'm definitely able to help out more now because I'm older. Like sometimes if they've got deliveries to do, I'll go out and do the drive or like, you know, being able to use the chip fry and all of that kind of stuff. Like now I'm able to do so. But when I was younger, over secondary school, it was very much just taking orders, taking money. And I've been trying to get my parents to use something more electronic or something more techie, (laughs) but they've just preferred pen and paper. And you have to sit and you have to write down all the, like how much everything costs you. Then you have to walk to the calculator and type everything in. And yeah, I just keep telling them like, you know, we need to try something else, but they're not, they're not too comfy with tech. I can imagine during school, like if I was in your position being kind of like, oh, do I have to, I hate this. I mean, I think the good thing was because there was four, well, four of us, but three of us who were able to work at the time because my younger sister was too young. It was kind of like, there was always somebody else who could go if you were busy. But now at home, I do definitely feel like guilty, like if my parents are working and I'm just sitting upstairs on the sofa, like I feel like I need, I should do something to help out. But at the same time, like I am glad because ignorance is really bliss. Like when I'm here in London working Monday to Friday, I don't know what's going on at home. I don't know how busy it is or like, you know, anything that happens at all. But here I have definitely been able to like help out a little bit um, so that my parents can chill a little bit. So um, yeah, I'm definitely like... Mm-hmm more grateful for being able to help out but yeah i mean it wasn't too bad it's not like strict working right it's not like you can't take your phone out it's not like you can't sit and snack because it's just my parents at the end of the day and so a lot of the time sometimes if it was really busy i would bring my laptop downstairs and do it whilst 
taking order, like whenever an order would come through, I'd just pick up and then continue working or like just watch Netflix and stuff like that. Like it was, it was very, very chilled as far as it goes. I was going to say, you know, the tech thing, do they use like touchscreen phones themselves or anything like or iPads? Yeah. Actually, my okay. dad does have a newer phone than me. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's also money and stuff to change it all in the takeaway. So yeah, I mean, I, I've tried. I've tried to convince them many times, but they prefer the old pen and paper. Because I was thinking, yeah, basically, I remember when Millennium Balti switched to the <laughs> the iPads and everything. I was like, oh shit, the world's changing out here. <laughs> we were like, we always had, they used to do the pen and paper thing, right? So yeah, you know, that when, they, when they changed, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Oh shit, shit, shit's got real, man. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we recently started taking contactless payments, so it's baby steps. Ooh, that's big, that's big. Um, Yeah, it is a big move. Can you you say the name of the takeaway? Can we give it a shout out? Yeah, it's Tian Tian. How do you spell that? T-I-E-N, T-I-E-N. What's the main speciality of like dish or what's like the, you know, the chef speciality dishes? What are those main dishes that you'd recommend? We do three main dishes and it's basically like an egg fried rice base and then it's either chicken duck or pork on top with some barbecue sauce those are our house specials i can't remember the name of them that's really bad to say i think it's literally just called a house special with either like duck chicken or pork those are great our salt and pepper chickens i've already spoken about that that's a very popular one as well it's got good good reviews on google you know Thank you. 4.5 out of 5. So. Do you want to know, hop over there? Yeah, we might, have to do, we might have to do a TripAdvisor. <laughs> Although I'm scared for your family if Hamish gets on TripAdvisor for, and oh doesn't like God. it. You know? How about we organise the next Komsky meetup there? Oh, yeah, I'd back it. I'd back it. You know? <laughs> Yo, Aaron, how are we getting there, bro? Have you thought this? <laughs> it is in the middle of nowhere. There's a, there's a station nearby. It'll, yeah, no, it is the middle of nowhere. It'll be like, you know, when we went to Jitten's, was it 21st oh, yeah. birthday? And we all took. Hamish, you organised that, didn't you? Yeah, the coaches yeah, yeah. to go. That's what we'll need. How how do you get there? Just out of interest, from London to. I drive, but it's very very difficult on the train because oh, there's yeah. no direct train, so you have to take it from King's Cross to Cambridge, layover for maybe like forty five minutes, and then Cambridge to Thetford. So the whole process takes like three hours more. Is it worth it for the food though? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. For sure. But it drives not too bad. It drives an hour and a half from East London. Yeah. I, I back it to be fair. I'd, but is it like eating? Can you eat inside or is it strictly takeaway? So it's strictly takeaway. Yeah. But I. That's I fine. Mean, we, can, we can make something work. We can. Uh, in the kitchen, we, we, I mean, we like to do like, I guess, like family events. And um, we like set out like a whole long row of tables every single like Christmas. We have like all our like boyfriends, families and stuff over. And like my friends cook like really, really good food. So there are sitting spaces in the kitchen. Yeah, so anyone anyone living around the area in Norfolk, in Thetford, if you want to go check out the takeaway, give him a nice I was review. I going to try to pronounce the name, but he, he, was, he just couldn't risk TNTN? Butchering. No, that's right. I actually don't even know what that means. It was just a name from the previous owners, and okay. we didn't want to like rebrand or anything. To We didn't want to make it known that it was like new owners and for anyone to take advantage of us, yeah. so we just kept everything the same. I don't know what it means, to be fair. No, no. Yeah, go check it out. Support, support them. Yeah. So in the middle of that, you did say like you moved to Norfolk like around year five, six, six age. How was like that kind of? I can imagine like you've already completed, almost completed primary school. Like all your friends are there, I assume. Like and then moving, I I would have like kicked up a, like a, a fuss about it. Yeah. No. Definitely. So actually, the year six, the actual year started 
and we hadn't completed the purchase of the takeaway. So my mum was there with my sisters and we were renting a room in Thetford and going to school. And there was a period where we thought that the purchase wasn't going to go through. And actually, we inquired about coming back down to London. Unfortunately, the primary school that I was at were like, oh, there's no space in year six, but you know, she can retake her year five year if, if she wanted, which my parents said no to thank God. <laughs> and yeah, we it was fine. Like year six was fine. But actually, my sister, my elder sister found it, I think, a lot harder than me because she was year nine. So she was like about to start her GCSEs. She was a lot older. She had, you know, her group of friends. So she actually said to my mum, she was like, no, actually, I want to stay in London because my grandmother was still in London and my aunt was there. So she was like, I want to stay. So we, she ended up staying and going back to the same school after a couple of weeks of trying this new school. And I mean, I was too young to really have a say or anything. So I continued there for year six. Year seven, I started at a um, secondary school. It's a very small town. And unless you go private, the reputation for the schools aren't great. Um, I was traveling to a school a little bit further away on a bus every morning, which I didn't absolutely love either. And for some reason, my parents decided to make the call to move me down to London as well with my elder sister. So I moved mid year seven back down to London. So actually, between year seven to year 11, I was in London and my parents were in Norfolk. And every Friday, we would bring our laptop, our like dirty bags in like a laundry bag, our school bag. And we would bring that to school with us for the entire day. And then once it hits 3.30, we would go to King's Cross, take the train home and then stay Saturday. And then my mom would drive us back down to London on the Sunday. So that happened for like year seven to 11. And then every week. Yeah, every week. So like, we didn't have much of a social life either, because we were always back at home. And then it was in year 11, I was like, obviously, I'm going to be away for university. Like, I'd like to come home for a few years for sixth form. But I I think because the main thing was, like, we're very new to the area. My parents didn't really know what schools were good and what weren't. And so for them, they were like, you know, London is their best opportunity. They should stay there with their grandmother. And by the time my younger sisters grew up, like we we were more aware of the area. We knew which schools were good and we were able to find them, you know, different schools in the area. So they never came down. It was just me and my elder sister. But yeah, it's been a lot of moving around. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know how different it would have been going to school there or here. But yeah, it was definitely a lot of moving around because finding a place to stay in the first year, we were staying with my grandmother in our house, but then she had dementia. So she had to move to an old person's home. And then we stayed at my like aunt's for a couple of years. And then we ended up renting a room for like the last two. So it was a lot of moving around for yeah, when I was like quite yeah. young. I mean, I don't really actually remember that much of it. It's all quite a blur. But yeah, I was home to visit every single weekend. And that was really, really exhausting taking the train. Yeah, I was going to say tiring must have just been, yeah, just going to school every day during the week. And then, yeah, the travel, just the commute. Like I don't like commuting into London from where I am. It's not long. It's like 45 minutes or so, but I still find that like long enough. Yeah, it's very, very draining. But, you know, the friends I made over secondary school, like they are friends for life. And I mean, I'm glad, you know, obviously that I was there. I had, you know, it it was a lot of independence as well. Mm. Like being able to just go out, take the tube from like quite a young age on my own, like all of that was like loads of independence. But yeah, I mean, I don't, 
if I could, if I was, could go back in time, I wouldn't have stayed in London. Like I just, I don't think it was necessary. Oh, really? Okay. As in like, there are good schools around the era. I don't think there was a need for me to, and my sister to stay in London. But at the same time, at the same time, like it was a great experience. It wasn't like sad or anything. Yeah. yeah. No, they, no, no. It just sounds like, yeah, just long. It just sounds like a lot of, it sounds like a lot of, lot, of, lot of effort. Another thing that is long is the house buying experience, which you've been going through recently. I don't know if you completed the process since we spoke or if you're still in the process. I'm still in the process. So stamp duty holiday is until June the 30th. And earlier this year, you know, there had been talks about going back to the office and I'd been renting for so long when I was in London and I just, the process of it, it was tiring, like finding a place, going through your agency, paying deposits, moving in, but then you can't do anything to the place. And then when you move out, they're literally charging you for like every small thing. So I was like, I really don't want to have to go through that again. So like I started looking at properties around London and then I started learning of this um stamp duty holiday and if you purchase a house up to 500k you basically don't have to pay any stamp duty up until i think june the 30th so i started i reserved back in like april and it's been a really really long process because it's a new build as well and we're still going through it and i really really hope that it completes before june because come july i will either be 12k poorer or i'll have 12k there fingers crossed for you. <laughs> i really really hope so but i mean I'm, I'm having like doubts at the same time i'm like did i rush it did i try to find a place that works for me just because i want to make a stamp duty holiday should i have waited mm. but i'm already in the process it is what it is the thing is yeah this stamp duty holiday yeah like it was kind of biased towards the rich way richer people who could buy the second third fourth properties so there was a massive bias towards it. If it was first-time buyers get that stamp duty holiday, do you know how many yeah. first-time buyers would have gotten this bloody uh, property ladder? So wait, can you explain this stamp duty holiday? So stamp duty is just a amount you have to pay for. Yeah, it's like, think of it like, as you know how you pay VAT, mm-hmm. or like you, um, you pay in the tax on all of your things you buy. The stamp duty is like that kind of extra tax you end up paying after you complete the purchase of your house. So once you paid it, you know, like mortgage and everything sorted, that are based on the property of your house and however it's valued by the council, whatever. Yeah. There's like a bracket it falls in and you have to pay that fee right. for the area or whatever. And it depends obviously how much on your house costs as well and certain other factors. Is it only for houses above a certain price or is it all houses? It, it varies. There's brackets and at June 30, the bracket changes. So I believe the first up to 300K would be free, I think after June 30. Right. And then, and then there's like, you know how you have tax you pay in like brackets? Yeah. It's similar like that. It's literally the same thing, kind of that, but you'll be paying 5% for in between 300 to, you know, 800 or something. Then there would be like anything above 800 to like 1 mil or something is like you pay 10% or something. And what's this holiday? So this holiday means that as, yeah, go on, common. No, no, you go ahead. You're doing great. (laughs) The the holiday basically means it. Right now, I think the slam duty holiday is, as common said, is up to 500k till June 30th. So this release is literally like the week before it ends. And if you manage to complete the process, so by, by completing the process, it means that you've got your keys. It doesn't mean that you moved in. It means that you got your key. If you get your keys sorted, so you know the contracts, all the conveyance, all the surveillance, all that bullshit done mm-hmm. by June 30, then you would get your house in this massive holiday period. And this is not exclusive of first-time buyers. So if you get a house under 500k sorted by that time, mm-hmm. you pay zero pounds. Okay. Well, okay, so that's, that's pretty... 
that's pretty big. For reference, if you pay for, for if you're buying a 575k and you complete that by end of June, you pay 3.75k or something. And if you complete it just after, so in between July and September, you pay like 16 or 17k. That's the difference of the stamp duty holiday. But from July onwards, it'll be first time buyer exclusive. But the, there's different bands, so anything over 300k, yeah, is a f- bigger fee and so on. But yeah, if this was first-time buyer exclusive, so one of the big complaints you may be aware of is first-time buyers not getting on the property market. This holiday didn't enable first-time buyers to... It helped some, don't get me wrong, but it was mainly to just help the people who could just buy houses with cash, basically, complete as many purchases as they can to rent it out, and they'll be making dollar afterwards. Right. I'm so glad you were able to explain that because just before this call, I was like researching on Google. I'm like, how am I going to explain it? Because I'm really, really done with this kind of stuff. And like, I know what it means in my head, but I'm really not good yeah. at explaining. So I'm really glad you just came out with all of that. Basically, because I had to like explain it to a bunch of other people as well. So I think I've kind of got it locked down in the head, like how I have to explain it now so that it makes sense. And that's mainly because like, I'm trying to get in as well. But honestly, these fucking cash buyers, I swear. Someone needs to get rushed. <laughs> That's what needs to happen because it is so long. And it's buying a house is a draining process. Like no one tells you how much shit you have to do, like to, you know, get sorted from but this goes from like mortgage brokers. What else do you have to do? The bloody solicitors, the bloody estate agents who are scummy as fuck. Every <laughs> single one of them. There's actually a few. I, 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 that's what I'm, a few of them are decent, but most of them are all scummy as fuck. So you have to keep in mind. Then you have to bit deal with a landlord and the other solicitor team. Honestly, bro, it's like the longest process that i think you have to do i think for a new build you have less of these issues because you're buying it from the company itself but if you're buying it like through normal estate agents like a normal build it's a bit more painful but the new build the issue is you don't know when you're going to get your house sometimes yeah because it could be delayed in getting built or something so but then you'd have insurance on the other hand like because it's a new build you'd have insurance with the contractors there's like pros and cons to each one yeah, and I like there's this thing that I'm meant to do when I initially move in. You're meant to get like a snagging surveyor because it's a new build. You don't know what's wrong. And you have like you have a warranty on the new build. Obviously it's easier to say within the first few days of you moving in, this is wrong, fix it, rather than seven months when you find it later something wrong. When you later find something wrong. So yeah, I mean there's a lot that nobody tells you about the entire process. I was very lucky because um work provides us with free mortgage brokers. So it works with a couple of companies and they've been great with explaining the entire process to me and getting looking for the solicitors and like, you know, keeping the contact and everything. So I've had to do um as little work as possible, which has been great. It's been a lot going on and a lot that you just don't even know about and a lot of random extra fees. Like I did not know that you had to pay for a lot of mortgages and upfront cost to actually set up the mortgage as if it's like yeah. a phone contract. Like, and then I say everyone leaves that out here, and you only yeah. find out yeah exactly as you're about to sort it. Yes, and by, by the mortgage fees here, yeah, um, the lowest fee I've ever seen is like five hundred ninety nine, and all of them are otherwise one thousand oh something. And yeah. I'm just like, I'm about to get a fucking five hundred k mortgage. You couldn't tell me this like a prior to me that that I have to put a, not only a deposit, I not only pay for the broker, not only what else do we have to pay for stamp duty? The bloody solicitors, yeah, these little pricks, yeah, they just keep sneaking fees. Then I'm like, suck your mom's like, what do you not yeah. think this is? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And even like now, now, you know, I'm just waiting to exchange contracts, but I've had the mortgage brokers contact me and they're like, look, now you should have start having a chat about like mortgage protection and insurance and all of that kind of stuff. And like mortgage protection, like, you know, it's meant to be... Yeah. It protects a mortgage in case of illness or death so that they don't repossess your home or, you know, so that it can be passed on to your family. And even that, that's like £26 a month. 
and that is a lot of money. This is the life policy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm like, it's just so much to think about the whole process. Um, yeah, it's it's not easy for sure. So yeah, if anyone's buying houses, do you have a query? You know what I'm going to recommend? I'm going to recommend going to the Halifax website. They explained, they're the, I think they're one of the bigger, like, you know, high street things that explained, like, they have everything like in dummy proof. Yeah? So like you can get going at least in terms of putting, getting to the offer stage quite easily with them. Just because like they, I guess they made it beginner friendly. Like a lot of places don't do this here. You and me, when I discovered certain things, I was like, fuck my life, you know. Thankfully, I read, read the Halifax thing and then they made it like piss easy to get into a certain stage. And then you obviously have to deal with the other issues. But yeah, afterwards, then you have to get contents insurance, home insurance. As you said, life policy, because if you can't pay it, then you need it sorted. Where else is this? There's like other covers that you have to get as well. Honestly, like basically, if you're going to get a house here, yeah, just know you have to be committed for quite a bit as well. Because you can't usually break your mortgage contracts unless you're buying in cash. So yeah. Keep it in mind. Are you buying on your own? Or are you like buying Dirish or your sisters? Or No, I'm, I'm buying on my own. I've actually been using the help to buy scheme, which is meant to be more accessible for first time buyers where you only pay a 5% deposit and you take what, like you take 40% from the government um, as a government debt. And then you take the rest your 60% from as a mortgage. And so I've, I'm doing it via that. I'm going to be living with like my siblings and stuff, but also my parents have also contributed massively towards the deposit. So that's another fee, actually. You have to pay if you're having gift doors, they call it, because they need to run the same identity checks to make sure that they're getting their money legitimately as well. So yeah, but I am getting a three bedroom and I will be living with my younger sister. And I mean, hopefully, hopefully over summer, Irish will be around loads, but we're not yet going to be buying a house together yeah congrats on the process but uh, congrats on this hopefully it's all sorted and the thing is i wanted to stay in east london because it's um close to home it's only an hour and a half and then it's an easy district line into blackfriars for work mm-hmm. because i wanted it to be helped to buy as well for it to be accessible it had to be a new build that would finish in time so i was massively limited but we went through there and irish was like you know what like everyone's just you know going about their day it might be a bit of a culture shock but he was like you'll be fine like you're just going to work no, that's cool. That's cool. Anything, anything else you guys want to mention or should we start to uh, wrap up? No, no nothing good? else from me. Yeah, how we wrap off each episode is like some final questions, a call out and then a shout out. So yeah, we'll start with the final questions. And first one we have for you is if you were on death row, what would be your go-to like three course meal and a drink? Sushi for definite. I like, I love sashimi. I love rare things. I know that's like really, really grim, but I love rare things. So sushi would have to be in my main three course meal and then oddly enough like drink would be tea i love tea i can't like i have like 10 cups of tea in a day like english <laughs> breakfast tea so english breakfast tea with sushi that would be like my death row meal anything else i don't know i don't know what else what about dessert <laughs> dessert i'm not a massive dessert fan to be honest with you yeah. i don't love dessert i'd rather have like savory foods skip the dessert maybe some like cheese dough balls you're supposed to say your family's takeaway covered Oh, oh yeah, yeah, and that. <laughs> uh, the second question is, what is your go-to Tesco meal deal? Aaron will judge you on this. Oh, no. No, oh, no, no. no. So, Yours can't be, I've, I've heard some shockers on this recently, I'm not going to lie. Okay, so mine's quite a boring answer. Oh. It's just like what I always get. I would always get the sausage pasta. Okay. Yes, no. I don't, and I've never I had would... it, but I don't have meal deals, don't look at me. Oh, okay. Then I get a Lipton iced tea and maybe like, they do like pepperamis, I think, for the um, snack. Okay, I, I yeah. don't love crisps. So that would be like my go-to meal deal. 
It's a bit of random. Mix, yeah, he's a bit of random. But... He's a bit <laughs> random, but that's 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 what makes it unique, you know. Yeah, third and final question. So this is one we ask every guest, and that is, what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? So Irish has one flatmate, Rishi. I don't know if you guys met him, and um, every year Rishi would always be the one who was directly next door to Irish in every single room that he was renting over uni, and we would like, you know, we chill, we watch a movie. And then I'm like, I can't stay up late. So I always conk out. And then Irish will go over to Rishi's and they will like play games all night. So I was literally like third wheeling them. But like all throughout the five year, not five years, like the four years of university. Yeah, it would be the three of us. I, I can't call out like a particular moment. I can't yeah, think no, of no, anything. No, 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 but fine. I mean, that would be like the best third wheeler. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. The next section is a call out slash nomination. So you can nominate one or many people to hopefully be a guest on in the future if, they, if they're willing to come on, obviously. So yeah, who would you like to nominate? Yeah. So actually I was telling my sister about this and she said she would love to come on and have a chat. That's my sister Wyman, my elder sister. She started up her own business over um, over lockdown. Um, so she started her own beauty lashes. Um, so she works for herself and she started that last year in August. Um, and has been building her client base on Instagram. So shout out to her. So and she, yeah, she said she would love to come on and have a chat. Then a couple of my friends over secondary school. Um, I have a friend, Aliana, Nerman, Jenny. Um, shout out to them as well and call out for them to come on. Wicked. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get you to send them over like their Instagrams and we'll like tag them when we like release your episode. Sounds good. And last bit is a shout out. So basically, anything you want to plug, promote, whatever. Can be literally anything. Yeah, floor's yours, Carmen. Just to my sister's Instagram for her lashes. I don't actually remember the handle, which is really, really bad. I think it's either <laughs> Lashes by Wyman or Beauty by Wyman. So one of them, one of them. One of them. Uh, we'll have Just the we'll have the link. We'll have the link in the description. We'll find out which one and put it in. Mm-hmm. Hamish, anything? Yeah, two albums and EPs. So one is Little Big Man by Wretch Three Two. The other one is called The Resurrection by Bugsy Miller. Do you know what, I'm, I'm just going to shout out your family's takeaway because uh, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, say, well, I, I don't have anything else to shout. <laughs> yeah, out. I didn't. <laughs> so I'll, I'll put. Actually, do you, uh, well, I'm going to Aaron shout like the we could as well add in the you know the adopt some adoption sites for pets. Oh yeah, sure, yeah, sure. that's a good idea. Some shelters or something. Oh, you, you don't have like a website or anything? No, we don't. We have a Facebook page. Okay, so I can like link the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll send you that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, go check that out and like some, yeah, whatever dog adoption sites Hamish Hamish sends me. I'll put that, I'll put that under my shout out. But yeah, awesome. Thanks, Carmen, for coming on. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. This has been really fun and such a nice reunion. Hopefully we'll be able to do this in person soon. Yeah, too. yeah. Squad, squad, uh, yeah, squad trip to Norfolk. That's, that's what I'm packing. Yeah, exactly. Know. Yeah, yeah. Really good catching up. And yeah, hope everyone, everyone enjoyed the episode. And yeah, we'll speak to you next week. All right, everyone, have a good day. See you in a bit. Bye. Bye. Bye.